It is good to see all of you this evening and good to appreciate you coming back this evening and uh, hope the message will be beneficial to you as well. What a privilege to be in the Lord's kingdom this evening and to have this time together this week with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Such a privilege. I want to back up just a little bit and help some that might not have been able to be with us last night and kind of get you up to speed. I'll do that very quickly. Uh, but I mentioned last night that I wanted to talk on a couple of subjects. Last night was called Three Ways to Keep Your Kids Off Drugs. Tonight is called High on Life, Not on Drugs. And basically those sermons came out of ultimately a video or a series of a couple of videos that Lisa and I were introduced to. Somebody shared them with us when we were in Oregon back in 1984. And we watched those videos and... Uh, was just very impressed. There was a sergeant by the name of Bud Holsey that uh, presented two different programs. He went into the public schools and he presented a program to the kids at the school that was called High on Life, Not on Drugs. And then at night he sat down with their parents and he talked about three ways to keep your kids off drugs. And he went into all the different schools to do that. He didn't mention scripture or anything along those lines, but he taught a lot of principles and I think they're uh, fundamental, foundational type principles related to some of these issues. And I want to share with you a little bit. I built a sermon around that concept. If you want to see the videos, I actually have a YouTube channel. I know you're all shocked, but I wanted to load those videos up. And in fact, I intended to do this. Y'all hold on one second. I'm going to get Lisa to hand me my phone real quick. And I want to share something with y'all. Last night, I looked up the email that I sent to Bud Holsey, who did those videos, and I said, Bud, or Mr. Holsey, I said, those things have meant a lot to me through the years, and I would like to post them on YouTube. And uh, he was, I think, from Colorado when he did the videos. He was a sergeant at the police department, and... Uh, and, but now I, lo I locate him on the internet and he was in Tennessee and he's like a state legislator or something like that. He's a politician. You could see his videos of him uh, running for office and that kind of thing. But he's a gray, white-haired guy, which is totally different than the videos from 1984. But I sent him an email and I said, hey, I would never post these without your permission. I don't know your con contract arrangements and all that kind of stuff. But Lisa and I have appreciated them. It helped us in raising our four daughters. We used a lot of the techniques you talked about in those videos through the years. And so he responded to my email. And there's a reason why I want you to hear a part of his email. My first name, by the way, is Larry. So my email went out as Larry Fleming. And he said, Larry and Lisa... You have no idea how much joy your email has brought me. I thank you so much, and I'm glad for the success of you and your children. I have six grandchildren as well. By the way, my mother was born in Shamrock, Texas. Her grandfather homesteaded in Wheeler County, got drugged to death by a horse when my grandfather was five, and my great-grandmother opened up the first post office on the railroad and then named the town Shamrock. I thought y'all would enjoy that. Uh, I had forgotten that. I knew that I'd read it in the original email, but I'd forgotten it last night. We looked up that original email and started reading about Shamrock, Texas, and Wheeler County. I thought y'all might get a kick out of that. But he's got some roots in this part of the country. And, uh, but anyway, we talked about those three principles last night, how to keep your kids off of drugs. And the principle number one 
that we talked about last night was to develop character and responsibility in your children and some techniques on how to do that. And then secondly, we talked about discipline coupled with love. And then thirdly, spend quality time with your kids. Those were the three ways to keep kids off drugs. And, the, and he extrapolates and tells some great stories. If you want to see those videos, I actually took the VHS tapes. I went and paid to have them put in digital format so they could be uploaded to YouTube. You can look up Larry Fleming, Three Ways to Keep Kids Off Drugs, or Bud Holsey, Three Ways to Keep Kids Off Drugs, and you can watch those videos as well. I'd recommend you do it. They're just sharp. Now, they're 1984, so it's a little quirky. Uh, you know, it's going to, the video quality is not the greatest in the world, but listen to the message of what he talks about. I think you'll appreciate it. But tonight I want to talk about what he was talking to the kids about and during the daytime. It's called High on Life, Not on Drugs. And I, I want to back it up just a little bit. I want to look at a scripture to kind of set the tone for what we're going to do. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes, and we're really going to walk through Ecclesiastes very quickly. Okay, so I'm going to scan and hit the highlights of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you remember, the preacher that wrote Ecclesiastes was Solomon. Okay, and Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 3, he said, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Solomon starts off the book and he said, I was seeking pleasure. And he said, I saw it in my heart, I'm going I'm to give myself to wine. I'm going to find pleasure in wine. Verse 4 through 6, he said, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in, in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. So he planted uh, uh, gardens and, and he had vineyards. And he had uh, planted trees of, and, of gardens. And, and you just imagine for a moment, he was a king, and he thought he could find pleasure in having stuff. That would bring pleasure. Uh, verse number 7, I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. So he thought he could find pleasure in being a king or being in charge of people, maybe having power that there's servants in his house and that he would be in charge of those people. Continue in verse number 7, also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He had herds and herds of cattle and he thought he could find satisfaction and he could find pleasure in owning stuff. Lots of cows, lots of cattle, that would bring him pleasure. If I just got my portfolio to be bigger you know if I could find satisfaction in life Ecclesiastes 2 verse number 8 I gathered me also silver and gold of the peculiar treasure of kings and of provinces and we think again that we can find pleasure in things and Solomon said I, I sought throughout and I got silver and gold I collected it I put it in the treasury I, I thought I could find satisfaction having lots of money that would be a, a thing to chase after Verse number 8, I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. Boy, if I could just get people around me that would sing, I could go to concerts, I could find satisfaction in those things. And he thought he could find satisfaction in all that. Solomon, very wise man, thought he, he, could, he could find wine, women, and song. That's what he was after, wine, women, and song. He said, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. Now you think about that for just a moment. There was not any joy that he wouldn't participate in. He could find satisfaction. He could find pleasure. in. He said, if, it, if I had an opportunity to do it, I did it. 
I withheld nothing. I didn't keep anything away from having the opportunity to have joy. Verse number 12, I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. He said, I think I could, I could find uh, satisfaction. I could find pleasure in education and knowledge and those kind of things. That would give me satisfaction. Verse number 24, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God for who can eat or who else can hasten thereunto more than I. Well, we find satisfaction in food. Man, if I could go to the buffet, I could find pleasure. And if I could drink what I want to drink, eat what I want to drink, when I want to do it, man, I find pleasure. That's what we're looking after, isn't it? Isn't that what everyone's looking for? It's pleasure. Verse number 26 of chapter 2, he said, This also is vanity and vex vexation of spirit. You know what he said? He said, I sought wine, women, song, food, all those things. Anything my heart desired, that's what I looked for. I tried to find pleasure in stuff. And he came to the conclusion that it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. It was all for nothing. It was all for naught. He said, I wasted my time doing that. And we come down to the very end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 13. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know, you can spend your entire life looking for wine, women, and song. You can spend your entire life looking for pleasure. You can spend your entire life looking to own stuff and things and, and build your 401K and your portfolio and all those things that we think bring us pleasure and the white sect, let's go with second wisest man ever to live, Solomon, said it's vanity and vexation of spirit. At the end of the story, do you know what the story is? At the end of the story, the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, keep his commandments. That's what Solomon came to a conclusion. We need to fear God, keep his commandments. You want to find pleasure? Fear God and keep his commandments. You want to find fulfillment in life? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. We ought to be paying attention to what it is that God wants for us and not spend our time and our energy all looking for pleasure all the time. Now, I give that as a backdrop to Bud Halsey for just a moment. Um, Bud Halsey was a sergeant in a police department and I'm just going to tell you, I'm relating to you what he said in the video. I'm not telling you I even buy a hundred percent of it. Uh, I, I think he's on to something, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to share that with you, but, but I, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying I agree with every aspect of every detail of it, but I want you to hear the message tonight. He said, I've interviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of teenagers, and I said, why is it, what is it that has led you to drink alcohol? What is it that has caused you to be drunk what why are you in the police station tonight and he said you know most people would say oh it's peer pressure peer pressure I mean peer pressure and he said I would ask young people he said is it peer pressure do your friends make you do it and he said I've talked to young people and they said there's absolutely no way my friend's going to be able to make me drink something I don't want to drink if I don't want to drink I won't drink it if I don't want to take it I won't take it said it's not peer pressure I'm not saying that peer pressure is not a factor and all those kind of things they are and the crowd we run with the Bible says that that we ought to uh, be careful of our companionships and things like that 
But he said in thousands of kids that I arrested and dealt with drugs and alcohol and, and teenagers and those kind of things, he said not one time did I ever hear peer pressure. He said, I heard a lot of other answers. You know what his number one answer was? I already flashed it to you. Sorry. Boredom. Boredom. He said a girl came in and, and he had arrested the girl. And she was drinking and driving, and, and she had a uh, red Corvette that was a uh, convertible. The name convertible wasn't coming to my brain very quickly. I was fixing to go, didn't have a top on it. Uh, a convertible, a red Corvette convertible, 16 years old. You think you can find satisfaction in stuff? said you would think this girl she was she was in wealth her parents had money her parents had but she was addicted to drugs and alcohol why was she addicted to drugs and alcohol he asked her the question she said I'm bored I'm bored let me kind of give you the background of what he was talking about he said there really are three things three components that make up a human being one of those is a spiritual component the other is emotional intellectual component the other is a physical component and he said the problem that our young people are faced with today is they live right here in the physical. Does it make me feel good? They dwell in the physical. Everything's about the physical. And so if it doesn't make me feel good, it's boring. Because school is boring. You know, school was not designed to develop you physically. School was designed to develop your emotional and intellectual self. And the way he worded it was your thinking, reasoning, and remembering. Your ability to learn and grow in those ways. Again, not saying I 100% agree with every aspect of, of the thing, but I want you to notice, he said the reason why they consider school boring is school is not designed to fulfill the physical, it's designed to fulfill the emotional and intellectual self, the thinking, reasoning, remembering side of self. And they say church is boring. Why is church boring? Church is not designed to fulfill the physical. Church is designed to fulfill the spiritual. And so what we have is a generation of children or maybe multiple generations of children that all of life is boring, 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 boring. Everything's boring. And it's because it doesn't make me feel good. As though we send our children to school and we're expecting them to make them feel good. That's what it, we're, we're dwelling to the flesh if we do that. We're not dwelling to the emotional intellectual self. And somebody says, well, I, I go to church. It's boring, 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 boring. Well, it is boring if you live in the physical. And that's where your world is. If you're trying to make you feel good, meaning physically feel good, it's going to give you a high for you to be at church. Yeah, that would be boring. Because church is not designed to do that. Church is designed to do that. Now, I will tell you, a lot of times in culture today, we have a tendency to want to try to do all the other stuff. We're trying to cloak church a lot of times to make somebody feel good. Or we try to cloak school to make somebody feel good. Now, we try to change the program and technique and things like that. Isn't this exciting, children, and things like that? We're trying to make them feel good. 
But I want to tell you one of the secrets to success in raising children, one of the secrets to success if you are a child and going through life is the ability, I want you to listen to this, is the ability to do the mundane day after day and find fulfillment in it over and over and over again. It's not in the feeling good moments. Those are great moments. I'm not against feeling good. I'm just saying your ability to be successful and adjust to life has to do with your ability to sit in a quiet place and do the mundane things day after day after day because that's what life is. Life is not always here. Sometimes life is here. Life is not always here. Sometimes life is here. We want to try to develop spiritual self. We want to try to develop the emotional, intellectual, thinking, reasoning, remembering self. You don't have to live in the physical. And I'm not against people feeling good. I really am not. I want you to get the message. I feel awful as a father in some ways. I honestly do. I look back at times and I just go, man, we shorted our kids in some ways. You're looking at a dad that never bought his kid a swing set. Never. Not one time ever did my kids have a swing set. And there's times I look at that and I go, I feel bad about that. I, you know, my kids were kids. And they probably should have had a swing set at some point in time in their life. And I look back over our child-rearing years and all the decisions all that. But you know what? At the end of the day, a swing set doesn't help them here. A swing set doesn't help them here. Not against swing sets. I'm saying a swing set's for this. Now, I want you to remember those videos were done in 1980-something. Do you know what kind of computers we had in 1980-something? Not much. I'm telling you, when I was in high school, which would have been the early, early 80s, I graduated 82 from high school, so to give you a little bit of an idea of the time frame, there was a computer cart that they would roll into a room and give kids five minutes to play on, and basically it was just X's and O's or 1's and zeros. And that was it. They would do a little bit of what they called basic programming when I was a senior in high school. Previous to being a senior in high school, had no experience whatsoever. I remember when computers first, I mean, that was just kind of the first thing. They, uh, I had to learn to turn it on, you know what I mean? I, I, I just had no experience with computers. When I first went into church work, the very first thing I bought was a typewriter. A typewriter that tells you something, Right? And a typewriter was an important thing. I was working with Jay Henderson. Jay Henderson said back in 1983 or whatever that I was working with him, he said, hey, Ty, he said, I want you to type up every scripture dealing with the soul. I want to know every scripture related to the soul. I spent two weeks typing every scripture related to the soul. I still have the paperwork today if you want to see it. Although most of you on your phone in this very minute could be at every scripture that says soul in about 30 seconds. The world has changed, but let me tell you what's changed with that. What are we doing with our kids? We're doing the same thing in a different way. Now when those videos were put out, he, he wasn't even imagining the computer world that we live in. But what are we doing? I'm going to restaurants now and parents are sitting with their children and before we can eat, we have to set up their iPad so they're entertained through supper. We can't sit around the dinner table without entertainment. What are we appealing to? We're appealing right here to the physical. 
What did Solomon say in Ecclesiastes? I looked for wine to find pleasure. I looked for song to find pleasure. I looked to women to find pleasure. I looked to food to find pleasure. And what did I, say, what did I find at the end of it? Vanity and vexation of spirit. It's a waste of time. And I'm telling you, we are doing it with our children today. I have children and they have children. I've got grandchildren. I'm telling you, my children, and it is a, it's, it's fascinating to me to watch these little kids because we had a, like a three-year-old, four-year-old grandchild, grandchild that could get on your phone, somehow figure the password out in short order and could make an order stuff off of your phone in short order. They could do it faster than Lisa and I could even figure out how to get the phone open. Now I want to tell you, those grandkids, they're fascinated. And they've got video games and they've got all that sort of stuff. And I tell you, their parents honestly, truly try to monitor it and, and limit it. You know, you have so many minutes a day, maybe an hour a day or something along those lines. Maybe it's the same problem but different that in my generation it was the TV. Lisa's grandfather said TV will be the downfall of this nation. Said that is the devil's workshop and we're bringing it into the living room. And I'm telling you, I've lived with a TV in my living room, still have one today. But I'm just telling you, it's the same principle. If all we do is sit around and watch TV, we have to be entertained. And we're teaching our children that all you have to do is open your phone up or your iPad up or your whatever. And you've got to have entertainment all the time. We are feeding this right here. Nothing wrong with the physical in its own place. But if that's where we live, if that's where we harbor, if that's where we dwell, if that's where we focus, and we don't spend some time in emotional, intellectual, thinking, reasoning, remembering, and we don't spend some time in spiritual, it's hard to be a whole person. Which brings me to a word that Lisa and I use a whole lot more as we've gotten older, and it's the word balance. Finding balance. We find ourselves using that term. It's hard to find balance. It's easy for a pendulum to be over here and swing over here, but it's hard to get balance. It's hard to balance all of those things. But I want to encourage you as parents, I want to encourage you as kids, spend some time developing more of yourself than this. Nothing wrong with developing self. The Bible even says no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth and cherisheth it. All of us are going to brush our teeth. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. There's nothing wrong with the physical. There are certain things related to the physical that we're going to be involved in. But don't dwell there. That's what Solomon was saying. I thought I could find pleasure in wine, women, song, food, all those things, possessions. And at the end of the day, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. There's more to life. The end of the conclusion is fear God and keep his commandments that's the whole duty of man you've got to if you really want to be a whole person you don't dwell you don't live in the physical that's Bud Holsey's position that's his general argument that he's making and I want to tell you I think he's on to something there and when I first think about boredom I think boredom really but in reality that may exactly be what's happening with our young people Maybe the same thing's happening with us. We're always looking for the next excitement. We've got to be at Disney World for life to be fulfilling. We've got to be riding a roller coaster for life to be exciting. We're constantly from one exciting moment to the next exciting moment. And if it's not an exciting moment, we don't enjoy life. And so what do we do? We end up drinking or taking drugs or something else. Why are we doing that? So we can get the next exciting moment. So we can get that next fulfillment. Because we are emotionally immature 
We're intellectually immature. We're spiritually immature because we've been spending all our time developing the physical. And I want to encourage you as kids today, there's more to life than just having that thrill for the moment. Whatever the thrill is, there's more to life than that. Nothing wrong with riding a roller coaster. I'm not an anti going to Disney World. That's not the point of the sermon. The point is don't dwell in that world. It's not all about the next thrill. A lot of the success of life, and especially our young people feeling secure within themselves, is the ability to do the mundane day after day after day and do so successfully. Can you sit in a quiet room, in a quiet place, and still feel good about where you're at? Can you sit in a, in a place that's not getting your adrenaline flowing, and can you still feel fulfilled with God? Can you, can you read? Can you sit and read God's Word and find fulfillment in reading God's Word? Can you study English or math and, and do the uh, Pythagorean theorem? And can you learn, develop the emotional thinking, reasoning, remembering self? Can you do that and, and still feel fulfilled? Or do you have to have the next high? Because if you've got to go for the next high and everything in life is boring, chances are you're immature everywhere else and you're living right here. You're camping out right here. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16 says, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We talk about the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Those things that give us feelings of power and prestige and all those things. It's of the world. The Bible said those things will pass away. The stuff that matters is the will of God. Doing the will of God. Same thing Solomon said in Solomon, or in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Solomon chapter 12. It's been a long week already. Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You know that verse is saying in, in common everyday language? If you're living in the flesh, you're going to live as the flesh. You're, you're looking for the flesh. That's what's going to give you the high. But if you spend time... Developing the spiritual self. You spend time looking at the spiritual. You spend time trying to develop the spiritual self. If you live after the Spirit, you're going to mind the things of the Spirit. You're going to care about the things of the Spirit. And church won't be boring to you. And if you're going to mind the things of emotional intellect and those kind of things, thinking, reasoning, remembering type stuff, then school won't be boring to you. Romans 8, verse number 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, I want you to look at the word mortify. Mortify is like mortician. To put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. One of the best things you can do is work at mortifying or killing or putting to death the, the deeds of the body. To the best of our ability. All of us struggle with it. There's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with it. I have desires of my body and my eyes and my flesh and all those things, but I, I work at it. You know, in all seriousness, and this is true in every, in every aspect of life, it's kind of like the second law of thermodynamics that everything's in a constant state of decay. You are too. If you don't work at, you know, 
I've gone to libraries and, and uh, bookstores, things like that. They do not sell books that say, here's 130 ways to destroy your life. I've never seen the book. Here's a million different approaches to destroying yourself. Never seen the book. But we always hear about the books of these things will help you. These things will... Why? Because people need help. They're trying to improve themselves. Because I'm telling you, without working at trying to be better... I can very easily fall into the very mundane and live after the flesh. That's the very basest, rudest, bottom self that I could be. I could do that. But every day I want to wake up and I want to, I want to put away the things of the flesh. And I want to try to focus in on things like school or church or things like that where I can be a whole person and not just live after the self. Matthew 6 and 25, Jesus asked the question, is the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Ask yourself the question today. Isn't there more to life than eating and drinking and having a party? Isn't there more to life than that? Isn't there some deeper concepts to life than just what you're eating and drinking? There are. There's more important principles. And I want to encourage you to enjoy life. Life has a lot of things to enjoy. But don't be looking for all that in the physical. When I talk about drugs, I'm talking about drugs, alcohol, things that are mind-altering. Don't live in the flesh. Mind the things of the Spirit. If the church can help you with that tonight, the church cares about you. The reason why we're having this meeting this week is because they want to focus as a community, as a community, a body of believers this week, to focus on things of the Spirit, to focus on spiritual things, to focus on how can we do better. All of us struggle. All of us do. The question is, are we all working at struggling? We had a guy that at home that came forward at an invitation song, and he, he was struggling with some things and he made a confession to our leaders church leaders and the church prayed with him cared about him and there's a lot of study and a lot of different things to try to help him and you know in visiting with him on a private level he feels really bad that he came forward and it was really the same problem that he came forward the time before and the same problem he came forward the time before and he finds himself falling finding himself fall short of really expectations of how he ought to live his life but I want to share with you I don't feel that way at all about that young man you know where the problem is is when he stops struggling when he gives up when he throws his hands up and says I'm just gonna give in to the flesh I can't win I, I want to encourage him to struggle, fight it, work at it, develop it. And sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes effort and energy and, and study and, and, and caring about all those things. But I beg of you tonight, don't throw your hands up because you're in the fight. Don't give up the fight. Enjoy life. God gave us life. There's a lot of wonderful blessings in life. But don't try to find your highs in other ways. Develop those other sides of yourself, the emotional, intellectual side, the spiritual side of oneself.
And the church is here tonight because we're concerned about that spiritual side of self. I, I love the fact I'm concerned about our young men and young ladies learning mathematics or English or all that, but I can tell you that pales in comparison to the concern I've got for you spiritually. I want to see all of you in heaven. And I want you to fight. I want you to struggle. Don't, don't dwell in the flesh. Don't, just because it feels good is not a good reason to do it. You have the ability to control your thoughts and to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.